myself. And um, I was just thinking about, you know, sometimes people think that living for Jesus is a boring thing. Uh, they think, well, church is boring. Living for Jesus is boring. You've got to stop this and stop that and stop. I see it very, very different. I think there's all kinds of things that begin when I begin to live for Jesus. There are things that start. There, there is life that begins, and I begin to see that life overflow into all these areas in, in, in my family, in my home, and, um, and it's, it's exciting for me to, to just see how God shows up. And uh, so this, is, um, this series, we're, we're going to be talking a little bit about that, what, what that looks like, and uh, so if you got your Bible, we're going to Genesis chapter 28 today. Now, my son uh, started uh, Georgia Southern University uh, back in August, so he's just completed uh, garbage, washing the dishes, doing laundry. God's not in any of that, right? That's, that's the devil, right? <laughs> that's the devil. I don't want to do laundry. I don't want to fold laundry, right? I don't want to do dishes, right? Can we just get somebody to do that for us? So it's all these things, these mundane routines, doing the laundry, ironing, brushing your teeth. Right? The, the devil's not in that. God wants you to brush your teeth just, just, just by chance. Uh, brushing your teeth and doing any number of menial tasks. Um, there was a guy called Brother Lawrence. Uh, he was a 17th century uh, monk, and he lived in a monastery for about 40 years. And um, he, he spent all this time, and he, he, he came to a uh, deep understanding. Uh, basically, what he did was he was, a, he was a dishwasher. That was his job as a monk, right? You think, well, that doesn't seem very spiritual. Uh, I know, right? That's what he did. He was a dishwasher, and he was a cook. But during all this time that he was doing these menial tasks, these things of just washing the dishes and, um, you know, putting food on plates, he came to a deep understanding of what it means to practice the presence of God. And you said, that's kind of weird. Why do you say it like that? Practice the presence of God. Because that's what he began to do. He began to practice the presence of God. He said, That's, I've never heard that. That's kind of strange. What do you mean by that? So I want us to talk about a little bit, a little bit about that today. But this is what he said, and, I, and they'll, they'll put this on the screen. This is something he said. This is what he would pray. He would say, O Lord of pots and pans and things, since I have no time to be a great saint by doing lovely things or watching late with thee or dreaming in the dawn light or storming heaven's gates, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. Right? Anybody say, well, that doesn't seem very saintly. <laughs> Actually, it seems it could seem like, man, the devil's in the details. And somebody once said that, right? It's, it seems like this is just minutiae. This is just stuff that slows me down from really doing the things that God really wants me to do. But maybe God does want you to slow down and do some of these things, and in the middle of these things, pray a prayer like this, right? And so what does this look like? So why do we, why do we miss this? Well, I want us to go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 28, we, we are in the story of a guy by the name of Jacob, and maybe you've heard of Jacob before. Jacob is uh, a guy who was born to um, the family of Isaac, and Isaac is uh, one of the patriarchs. He's, he's Abraham's son. So Jacob is Abraham's grandson. And um, basically, Isaac has this blessing that he wants to give his son, uh, Esau, 
but Jacob kind of gets in there and steals it, right? And so there's difficulty in the family. Anybody ever had difficulty in the family? Yeah, right? <laughs> Some of us is like, man, Pastor, you don't know how much difficulty we have in our family. Uh, you know, w- when I think about the family of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they're, they, they can seem like a dysfunctional family in a lot of ways. And it's interesting that God uses them to begin a promise that he, he made to Israel. He uses them to start this promise, to begin there in this dysfunctional family. And so when we pick up in this story, Jacob is kind of already on the run. Him and Esau, his brother, are not on good terms. Uh, Actually, um, Jacob's mom and dad said, listen, buddy, it's probably time that you go off to school somewhere (laughs) because your brother wants to kill you, okay? Uh, It's it's probably time that that you, you hit the road and you go off. And so Jacob begins a journey, and that's where we pick up this story in uh, Genesis chapter 28, beginning in verse 10. And it said, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. This is one of the strangest things. If, I, if I'm going to lay down to sleep, I am not grabbing a rock to put my head on, right? Um, but, you know, I'm going to try to find some bushes or something. But uh, he he's taken, takes a stone of the place, and he put it under his head and lay down to, uh, to this place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord Uh, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised. That's a pretty good promise right there, right? How many of you want God to tell you stuff like that? What I told you I was going to do, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you. And I'm, I'm not going to leave you. And I'm going to make sure that I see through what I told you what I, I was going to do. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. I'm going to stop right there. He was oblivious, right? He was oblivious to God being there. But we can't throw too many stones at Jacob because we're the same people. We're in the same place. We have the same things happen where we're oblivious to God wanting to, hey, for us to be uh, awake and aware of his presence. And even just of wanting to do something in our life. And, and this is God showing up in a very real way. Now, this story, I've never really uh, understood the story. I get certain pictures of a ladder. Anybody think Jacob's ladder? You think it's kind of strange why there's uh, angels ascending. Must, you know, are the angel, one angel going up the front side of the ladder, another angel coming down the back side of a ladder. Anybody ever tried to climb the ladder with two people? It's not recommended, okay, especially going all the way up to the heavens. Uh, 
this story makes a lot more sense to me now in some of the studies that we've been in. Some of you guys have been in our Wednesday night Bible study, and I, this is kind of the plug for Wednesday night Bible study. You can learn some really cool stuff at Wednesday night Bible study. So uh, find a Bible study to get into. But in the conversation we've been in on Wednesday nights called Spiritual Beings, we've been talking about uh, the overlap. There's earth, and then there's heaven, and then there's this overlap, and the overlap place was Eden. And basically, the people of that time have this belief that the gods lived on top of mountains, right? And so what they would do is they would try to build their own mountain. Anybody ever seen a man-made mountain? Pyramids. Anybody ever seen a pyramid? That is a man-made mountain. Did you realize that? Or ziggurats, right? And so uh, have you got that picture? And so really, Jacob's ladder was more of a staircase, and this is a picture of a ziggurat uh, uh, located near where Jacob would have been. And so I want you to get a picture. If this helps give you a picture, a better understanding of what was going on. So Jacob is having this vision of God is in this place. And God is above this ziggurat because that's, that's, that's uh, this, this idea that that's where the gods lived. They lived up on this, this mountain. And so uh, the angels are ascending and descending this staircase. And it would have been something that Jacob would have recognized immediately. Oh, hey, I know what's going on here. And, and what we find later on is he sets up an altar there, and he calls it Bethel, which means the house of God or the gates of heaven, right? This is the house of God. This is where God lives. This is the gates of heaven. This is how you get to where God's at, right? And, and so and this is not so much... Jacob trying to get to God because he wasn't even aware that God was there, right? So if you contrast this story with the story of Babel, remember what happened at Babel? They were trying to build a tower to do what? Ascend to heaven. They're trying, they're trying to get to where God's at, right? Because they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to make a cut a deal with God. Hey, God, we're coming up to where you're at. We're going to come from heaven to earth, right? And, and so God's like, Nah, that's not how this works. And so he messes up their plan, scatters, scatters them, scrambles up the language, right? And so, but this in this story, it's, it's like the reverse. God shows up and shows Jacob, hey, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to where you're at. Actually, I am right here with you. And Jacob starts seeing all this, and he's like, God, you're in this place, and I didn't even know it. I wasn't even aware. And so, so why wasn't he aware? Why wasn't he aware? I think that he has a couple reasons going on that are common to us. A couple things of why we are not aware of God's presence. The first one is this, is that we don't expect to see God there. Right? So this place was called Luz. Before it was named Bethel, it was called Luz. And Luz is, uh, if you go, go research this, uh, Luz... Um, basically means crooked and twisted it's the place of the almond tree but it, it's it's called the place of the almond tree because those trees would be twisted and crooked and so it's almost like jacob was in a twisted and crooked place right that's all he saw jacob was actually uh we could say this jacob was in between a rock and a hard place and that's where he was at that was his story 
He's, he's kind of in between this place and his family. He's kind of on the run. He's stolen something. He's, he's twisted the story. He's tried to get what he wants his way. And God shows up and says, stop doing this. I have a promise for you. Actually, I have a great plan for you. And, and, and this place that Jacob stops, he didn't stop there because it seemed like the Holiday Inn, okay? He stopped there because it's like, hey, this is a place to rest. It's getting dark. Um, you know what? Maybe there's no bandits or robbers out here, so maybe this seems like a safe spot to just kind of chill out. And it seemed very mundane. It seemed very routine. And God shows up in that for Jacob. But he didn't expect to see God there. See, that's the thing about us is a lot of times we don't expect to see God in places. There are times that God wants to show up, and we have no expectation of God wanting to show up in that moment. And, and that's not on God. That's actually on us. You know, that if we had a greater expectation, right? Anybody ever read the, the, the remember the book, Great Expectations? If, if we had a greater expectation of God being um, around us, or us being aware of God being with us, how would that change things for us? See, we don't expect to see God there. What are you doing here, God? That's basically, I think, what Jacob is saying. What are you doing here, God? And he's in this place, between, he's between a rock and a hard place. And, and what happens is God invades the natural and makes it a supernatural place. God takes what seems very routine, very mundane. It seems like everyday routine. This is just what I do. I'm going to own my journey. I'm going to stop and rest. And I'm just trying to get some sleep. And God shows up. And God wants to show up. And God wants to show up and change the natural into the supernatural. See, God and his will can bewilder us, right? And bewilder us because we have low expectations, I think, a lot of times. We're not looking for God in a lot of places. Just because God is good doesn't mean that he wants to be caged and boxed into Sunday. See, when you guys showed up here today, you're probably thinking, I'm coming to see God. I'm coming to hear from God. I'm coming to talk to God, right? Because it's church. That's what we do at church. But the great thing about church is this, is actually we say this is church. That's like the church building. This is where we come to meet with God. The great thing about it is you're the church. So that when you leave the building, you're still the church. And, and you're still where God wants to meet. You're still where God wants to live. You're still where God wants to be. And so we have to live with a greater expectation. We have to live with a greater awareness that God wants to step into our normal and change that. God wants to step into our natural and create something that's supernatural. And you say, okay, well, uh, you know, I, I can't live like in that plane, you know, like have my heads in the cloud. And I'm not asking you to have your heads in the cloud all the time. I'm not asking you to walk around, you know, like praying all the time, you know, and just kind of keep one eye open so you don't walk into a wall. You know, that's not what I'm asking. What, we're, what we want you to be is more aware that God is there. Walter Brueggemann. He's a, uh, he's a theologian, a scholar, and, and this is what he says. He, he wrote this. He said, we live our lives before the wild, dangerous, unfettered, and free character of the living God. And see, sometimes we don't expect God to be like that. And, and, and God wants to go wild into our life. And God wants to go wild into our ordinary places, in those ordinary spaces. And he wants to change them into something else. 
but we, we, we will keep God caged to Sunday. Maybe Wednesday if we go to Bible study. God will let you out of the cage to come to Bible study. You know, but, but that's, that's it. Sometimes we keep God boxed in or we try to. We think we can. And God won't be boxed in. God won't be caged. God is wild. If, if you ever think about God in that sense, and sometimes we don't think about God in that sense because we've been conditioned when we go to Sunday school that, that we see the flannel graph. Anybody remember flannel graph? You know? Nobody remembers flannel graph. Uh, maybe I just dated myself. Uh, all right, so uh, these little felt boards, right? We used to see these little pictures of Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus had a certain depiction. Jesus was nice, and Jesus was sweet, right? And, and that's kind of the picture of Jesus we get, and we want you to be nice, guys. We, and that's what they told us in Sunday school. You need to be nice because Jesus is nice, right? Nobody ever told me that Jesus was wild, Nobody ever said that God was wild, but actually when you go read Scripture, we see a wild God. We see a God that's described as setting the tops of mountains on fire. That's pretty wild. That the entire nation of Israel would say, uh, Moses, we're terrified. You go up and talk to God. We're going to stay down here. Right? That is the kind of God that we're called to. That's the kind of God that wants to interact with us. It is a wild um, He's a good God, but he's not safe in that sense, right? It, it, it's, it, there is times that there's going to be challenges, and there's times that, you know what, he's going to say, I want you to trust me through this. And so God shows up sometimes in the mundane, or God shows up in the mundane, not sometimes, God shows up in the mundane if we're willing to be aware that God is there. So we, we have no expectation of God being there. The second thing, what happens is this, is that we get distracted with life. Jacob was distracted. He had things on his mind. He had this, this whole deal on his mind that happened with Esau. He, all right, what's, what's going to happen now? And, and I got to go find a wife. If you go read the story, his dad says, I don't want you to get a wife from the Canaanites. I don't want you to get a wife from anyone around here. I want you to go back to, to your mom's family, and I want you to get a wife from there. And so now he's got to figure out how to get a wife, right? You know, and that's, that's a big deal. Come on, guys, you remember that? Yeah. Right? And so that's a big deal, you know. So he's got all this stuff on his mind. He's got dating on his mind. He's got, you know, uh, fist fights with his brother on his mind. He's trying to figure out where's my next meal coming from kind of deal. And so he gets distracted, and we're distracted. We get distracted by life. We focus a lot of times just on our routines. Anybody, do you do things without thinking about it just because you've done it so much? How many of you, you've driven down the road and you've driven like a period of, of, of like down the road and then you kind of realize, I just drove down the road and I haven't like realized how far I went. Right? Like I, I'm, I, was, I was just in my thoughts, in my place. I, I'm, I'm being safe. I'm in my lane, right? But I've realized I have driven a significant piece down the road and now I am just becoming aware of myself thinking, Wow, I'm in the car and I've just driven so many miles or, you know, however far it is. And I, I, it's just routine. This is what I do. We go on autopilot. And see, so we get distracted with life and we focus on our routines. We, when we are so focused on what's familiar, we can be unaware of the extraordinary. 
when we're so focused on what's familiar, well, this is how God works, this is who God is, and this is how church is going to be, and this is how work's going to go, and this is how the kids are going to be, and this is, this is what's going to happen when I, when I go clock in, and this is what's going to happen when I hit the gym, and we just do our routines, and we go about our life. And sometimes we are unaware of what God wants to do and that God's even there. See, God showed up to Moses at a burning bush. You say, well, pastor, that's pretty significant. But what was Moses doing, and where was Moses at? If you go look at where Moses was at, he was on the backside of the desert, very mundane place. He wasn't living in the big city anymore. He wasn't living in, in Pharaoh's palace anymore. He was on the backside of the desert doing what? He was working. And God shows up while he's doing what? While he's working. Has God got room to show up while you're working? Has, has God, has, has, has there any kind of category or room for God to show up in the middle of you doing your job? You're like, whoa, God, not right now. I'm a little busy, right? I'm, I've got work to do. I'm clocked in. And God's like, I don't care. I'm wild like that. I'll just show up anywhere, right? This is who I am. I'm, not, I'm that kind of God. You can't box me in. I know it's not Sunday. Hello, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. I'm here at your job. I want to deal with you. I want you to know that I am here. I want you to be aware that I am here. How would that change things for you? How would that change things for us? You say, Pastor, that's easy for you. You work at the church. You're aware of God all the time, right? I get that, and, and that's fair. That's fair, right? But Moses didn't have that, right? Moses was doing his job on the backside of the desert. Who else had God show up in a wild way when they were doing their job? Remember the shepherds? Christmas is coming up. The shepherds were doing what? Keeping watch over their flock by night, right? It's not like they were sitting there waiting, hey, something really cool is going to happen tonight. You know? I know we do that for Christmas morning, right? The kids can't go to sleep and they got one eye open, you know. What's going on? Is that Santa Claus, right? You know, the shepherds weren't doing that. They were just doing their job. They were just hanging out. Got sheep. I don't know if that's a, this might be a goat. You know, they're just hanging out with the livestock, doing their thing. And then this angel steps up and says, hello, good news. What? Right? People are usually frightened when, when this kind of thing. When God shows up, it's startling. And, and Jacob, in the story, he startled. The shepherds were startled. Moses was startled. And, and for us, you know what? I think we could use some startling. I think we could use some shaking. I think we could use some, wow, what are you doing here at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning? What, whoa, what, God, I didn't expect this. But maybe we should. And what would happen if we did? See, we have to be willing to let God show up. God's presence is not something that we create by our efforts. See, some of us, I think, we come in on Sunday morning, we think, you know, I'm going I'm to press through. I'm going to try to get here from God. And I just, you know, all right, God, I'm, I'm doing my thing. See, God's presence is not something we create by our efforts. It is always God's gift to us, uh, totally independent of what we do. For in reality, God is already present. It is he who needs, it is, not, it, it, is, it is we who need to be awakened to God's presence. That's what needs to happen. And I, I'm going to ask somebody to come play.
as I, as I wrap this up. So what, what does this look like? Just wrote this last word down, these two words, intentional integration. And I didn't really know what this, this meant, but it made a lot of sense as, as I was doing study. Intentional integration. And what is this? Practicing God's presence is not about emphasizing spiritual over material. Okay? It's, it's not that. It's not like either or. It's not like, hey, I, I, here's, here's spiritual, here's material. It's not emphasizing the spiritual over the material or the sacred over the secular. We, we do that. We create those boxes and those categories, and we say, this is church life, this is work life, this is home life. And you know what's problem about that is when we do that, it makes it easy for us to dip in and out of our relationship with God. It makes it easy for us to be one way on Sunday morning, praise God, hallelujah, glory to God, you know, and then on Friday nights we're getting our groove on somewhere and maybe doing things, smoking things, drinking things we probably shouldn't be doing. Why? Because we have categories and boxes where we dip in and out of, of this thing with God. God says, you're not going to dip out on me. That's not what I invited you into. Jesus is like, that's not why I died on the cross, so you can dip in and out of this. Right? And, and so it's, it's this false category of the sacred over the secular. Instead, it is about integrating the two realms and living, this is a C.S. Lewis term, living as an amphibious being, right? <laughs> right, amphibious beings, living in both eternity and time. That we live in both eternity and time. It's what, it's what uh, theologians, and, and some of you might, might have heard this term, it's called the already not yet. That, you know, we're not yet there, but we already get to experience it. That's, that's what it is. That's what Paul reminds me. Set, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above and, and allow God to move in. It's about going beyond the typical morning quiet time, right? Anybody do the morning quiet time? I do that. I have one of those. You know, I get up and I, I, I do my devotion. I just have, uh, this morning I got up and I just, the moon was just so bright. And I was just like, you know, good morning, God. You know, some of you are like, good morning, moon. You know, but I'm saying like, good morning, God. Because you're the one that created the moon, right? And so it's, it's going beyond the typical morning quiet time and taking an awareness of God with you into your day all day long. See, a wild God wants to be unleashed into the wild. A wild God wants to be unleashed into your ordinary. So this is it. Stand with me. One thing I want you to do this week. I want you to pick one ordinary task that you do with regularity, right? What's, what's one thing that you do on a regular basis that's routine? And each time that you go do it this week, I want you to honor God and thank Him as you go. Just, don't, don't, just do what you normally do, right? I'm not trying to tell you to kind of try to charge up and be super spiritual. I'm just saying, be you. Do the things that you do, but be mindful. God, as I do this, thank you. God, thank you, Lord, that as I'm washing the dishes, that I have a family to feed. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you so much, God, that as I'm cutting the grass, God, that you have blessed me with a home 
and a house. Lord, and you know what, God, that you've blessed me to be in the neighborhood that I'm in. God, thank you for my neighbors. Yep, I do want you to pray that. God, thank you for my neighbors. The ones I get along with, God's the one I need to get along with, right? That, and being mindful and saying, all right, this is it. I'm, I'm going to be aware. I'm going to be aware. Just bow your heads this morning. Father, we thank you today. And I know it seems easy to come to church and do this, but Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, will I be mindful of that? Will I be aware of that? And it's easy for us to dip out on you at those times. It's easy for us to create boxes where we don't expect to see you. But I pray, Lord, that you kick out the walls of our boxes. God, that you would you would thrust through the door and show up in a wild way that shows us that you are the God of every moment, of every second, of every minute, and that we just don't need you just on Sundays and at Bible study. We need you all the time. So, Lord, that we can say, God, you were in this place, and I was unaware. I was totally oblivious. But I'm so glad, God, that I see you. I see you for what you are. I see you for what you want to do. God, move in me and help me to move in the the spaces, God, that you allow me to be in, whether they're extraordinary or they're ordinary and mundane. God, show up. Show up because I know that you are. I know that you're already there. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we sing?